everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, I am the host with the most, Brandon, and I am here with the incredible and potentially edible Paul. What's up? Uh, apparently, I'm sweet and I'm incredible, so uh, what's up, people? How you doing? Just, I mean, not necessarily sweet, just means we could possibly eat you if we needed to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what are we, the honor party? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, the other person there was the uh, the lean mean and has not beaten the Valkyrie Queen, Dan. Oh, man, that's just a low blow. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it rhymed. So, <laughs> uh, But yeah, today we're, uh, we're covering uh, Season 2, Episode 8, I Mud, original air date somewhere around November 3rd, 1967. Hey, you don't have to talk bad and... about yourself. You're not mud. <laughs> uh, thank God I'm not mud, because we know how I feel about mud. I'm not even going to get into it. Mm. But... Uh, yeah, episode starts with uh, McCoy and Spock actually together walking through a corridor, and uh, McCoy greets a man who we come to find his name is Norman, uh, who just kind of gives him like a, a, like I don't know, really mundane greeting back, and then uh, Norman just keeps walking. So McCoy takes this uh, opportunity to actually talk shit about him to Spock. <laughs> What's <Which laughs> <real>? just like <laughs> he's like, "There's something off about that guy. Like he's only been." He's only been on the ship for three days, and he doesn't talk about himself, and he doesn't smile, and he doesn't talk about his background. And I'm like, fuck, dude, that's the perfect coworker. Exactly. Like, exactly. He, he just he's there, and he doesn't do his job, or he does his it, job, and he doesn't bother you about his personal shit. Exactly. <laughs> like, what's, what's wrong with that guy? He just get, comes when, in and gets that? paid. Like, oh, how dare he? When, when, yeah. it, when did Bones become so nosy? Like, right? Get out of my business. I wish I had 100 Normans at work. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I agree with that one. Yeah, but uh, Spock just kind of has this look like, well, like, what's so odd about that? So McCoy clarifies that it's it's really weird for a non-Vulcan to be like that, which actually makes me think, am I a Vulcan? Because I'm kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, but Spock, uh, he just doesn't see the uh, the logic in being that way. And, and McCoy points out that Norma has already avoided two physical exam appointments without reason. Uh, so elsewhere... Uh, we actually follow Norman, and he goes into the auxiliary control room and just fucking knocks out the the tech that's there. The, the weakest like, judo chop in history. He's just like, bam. Yeah. Yeah, but once you if you realize he's a robot, actually, even though he moved that slow, it's actually probably really powerful. It's a robot, yeah. so. Right. Like before, we knew that though. Yeah, it was like what, like that that guy just yeah. went down with like a a flick. But actually, it was really funny though. It's not funny. It's kind of weird that. Like, he walks in, and the, the tech that's in there immediately spins around. He's like, you're not supposed to be there. Like, how the fuck do you know? Like, you didn't, didn't even say anything to him. Like, are you the only guy that's supposed to be there? And just, like, nobody else is allowed to be there? Yeah. I guess not, not to mention, I'm rewatching it as I do it. Like I said, you guys, while we're doing it. And, uh, yeah, it's very awkward. Like, I'm he doesn't even know who quick. it is. He's like, I know everyone <laughs> on this ship and who everyone who has clearance to be in this room. Yeah. Yeah, but like he's pissed that. off as soon as he hear the, hears the door open. Like he could have turned around and it would have been Kirk there. And he's like, "You're not supposed to be here." It, it, <laughs> well, his reaction was so so quick that yeah, may, maybe he was looking something inappropriate up online. <laughs> oh yeah, he got startled. <laughs> yeah. He had to try to minimize his browser real quick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he he knocks this uh, Norman knocks this dude out. And uh, then he goes to, like, several different consoles, and he starts flipping switches and pre- pressing buttons and turning knobs, except that he's not really turning knobs, I noticed. He's just, like, he's trying to turn buttons, and uh, he flips, like, some of the switches up, and then he goes back and flips them down. So I don't know that he actually knows what he's doing, either that or, like, the computer <laughs> works in a really weird, weird way. Yeah, I get what but, you're saying. Uh, 
Yeah, he's just like flipping switches and like turns a button. Yeah, but that's and this whole show, red, though. Uh, it's always a lot of like uh, they're very good in the way of where like you can see all, you her around. <clears throat> you her, it's like uh, her hands moving, but not really doing nothing, but it just gives you the aspect yeah. of her moving. So I wasn't looking that close like you were over here looking at his fingers, but now that you mention it, I'm be watching it and it looks ridiculous. <laughs> so Yeah, there's like there's like 20 buttons on this console and four switches, and he flips the switches like twice a piece and tries to he, turn he the button. He turns the buttons to press them, so it looks <laughs> yeah. awkward now you yeah. mention it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not even a knob, guy. Uh, fucking computers, they don't know. But uh, a, we get a red uh, overload danger light that comes on, and we go to the bridge where uh, Sulu informs Kirk that they have an unplanned course change, and it, it's taking place right now. So uh, Kirk calls the auxiliary control room, but he gets no answer because the one guy got knocked out. And uh, Sulu says that uh, everything's on a total override. So Kirk then sends security to the auxiliary control, and uh, he asks Uhura to page Spock to the bridge. So the uh, the Inter- Enterprise just proceeds on its new course as the uh, security members arrive at the auxiliary control to find that the tech, who is uh, Mr. Jordan, he's unconscious still, and uh, security member Roe calls Kirk and tells him that the corridors are jam- or the controls are jammed and that the intruder is missing. And uh, he, he's like, Kirk's like, well, we got to find this guy. And he's like, well, I already ordered a, a full security alert. And I'm like, son of a bitch, are well, they getting better? Well, how does that like, work, though? <laughs> like, they know, there's a, know that there's an intruder on board, but they have no idea who it is. So, like, if you're, yeah. like, are they just going to start arresting everyone that's walking down the hallway? Well, that's what I thought was they, weird, uh, too. Oh, I, should security know everybody in the ship? Is that part of the requirements to know everybody's name? Well, they should at least like. Well, well I'm just saying, like, well, I know like about people twenty people. What is a lot of people at work, and I probably know like ninety percent of their names that work I work with, so I probably can recognize who I work with. But if there's a stranger, I guess I could notice that maybe. So I guess like if there's a stranger in your area, would you notice notice them or not? I I normally notice people in my work area who don't don't belong. So I'm assuming right. that if it's the same people every day, maybe they got certain personnel that does certain areas, and so they know who's supposed to be in the area, like floor by floor. Oh, that that that, my, like that maybe. My whole thing about this was that Sulu's like, "Hey, like we have a course change. I'm locked out of my shit. Nothing's working." And Kirk immediately goes, oh, "It's an intruder." Like, it, there's no like possibility that maybe there's a malfunction or like somebody made nah. a mistake in the control room. Kirk, we don't make mistakes around like, here. Something's not working. He's like, "Oh my god, it's an intruder." Yeah. Like we, we're flying around in space, and somehow somebody like is on our ship that should not be here. Look, Which actually it, was the case, but still. Look, it could have been like a tractor beam. Like there's another spaceship off to the left, and they're just you yeah. know tractor beaming over the slide. Superstar Kurt, like, Kurt knows what's going on immediately. It's Kurt. Come on now, guys. It's Kurt. He knows what's like, going it, on. At this point, they had like a better chance that it was some all powerful being holding them in place, like with a giant green hand or something. <laughs> but, but he goes immediately to to intruder. intruder, which I thought was just really weird. But you and before I forget, is. I want to talk about uh, Kurt's uh, wearing a swaggy shirt this episode. The the yep. nice little nice little costume that I love to death still to this day. He's been doing a lot in this season. Yeah. yeah, he's been wearing that a lot this season. I don't know why. The green's actually far starting far, to show up more too now. It doesn't look as yeah. Uh, it's very very greeny. He green almost like it's showing yeah, up a little bit right? out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think it looks good. I like it. I still want. I'm on the shirt still with the whole with the whole thing. I like it a lot. I don't know if I'd be comfortable showing that much, like middle of my chest, though. Like that's a yeah. deep oh, and I'm not about that. Yeah, I'm not about that. I'm not. Yeah, I'm about that life. I got it. I lost so much weight, and now I'm trying to show it off now. So give me one of these shirts, <laughs> so I can be like, "Yo, look at." <laughs> Just have that you? thing all the way down to your belly button. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep V. The deepest V. Yeah. 
So, uh, so Spock enters the bridge, and uh, Kirk asks Sulu to try to break the override, so Sulu presses one button and then declares that nothing works. <laughs> you think I've done, <laughs> so done everything I could. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's that's my best effort right there. Uh, like, it's so funny, the comparison, too, though. Like, you get Norman in there, like, twisting buttons and flipping switches and to try to, like, shut this thing off, and then Sulu to try to get something to work is just, like, a single button. Just, just <laughs> that's, that's my best effort. So uh, Kirk then calls uh, the emergency manual monitor and Norman has beaten him there. And uh, Norman goes to engineering and he just beats up everybody there, including Scotty. <laughs> just throws Scotty aside. It's, poor Scotty's I, having I, a rough season. Uh, before I knew yeah. his robot, actually, I'm like, yo, the security's trash, man. I wrote that down. I was like, no, security <laughs> is still trash. That's the word. Another wrote None down immediately. Fight. Like, he did the, he did the crazy, like, <laughs> the body splash, like the 540 WWE body splash. And the air yeah. got caught by the, got tossed. I'm like, yo, they ain't do they ain't good at nothing. That, like, that was, hold on, that, every episode. That was some good wrestling though. Off the top, you know, rope, quote yeah, unquote. Off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> off the top rope. <laughs> what yeah, happened to just... that security guard that did actually hold his own against the one guy? Like, why is he not promoted to like head? Oh of yeah, security? we didn't even He's know. The only one that can fight. <laughs> He's the real. only guy that could fight. They fired him for that. <laughs> you made us all look bad. <laughs> You're off the ship. <laughs> You're supposed to go down with one hit. Real. Yeah, so uh so yeah, he just beats everybody up, throws Scotty around for a minute, and uh Kirk tries to contact them to warn them about the intruder who is currently there kicking their ass. And uh collective ass, I guess, asses. And uh Scotty manages to respond to Kirk while Norman is uh pressing buttons or twisting them or whatever he's doing. And uh Kirk finally sends security to the engineering station. Like he listens of over the intercom, listens to them all get the shit kicked out of them. And then when it gets quiet, he's like, maybe I should get security over there. <laughs> not like not like I should send them now. He's like, now that everybody's done been beat up and potentially dead, he, he's like, I should send in security. He, Kirk wanted everyone to have a fair chance to fight him. Like, I don't want to give my other, <laughs> yeah. security, other security guards, you know, to come in for the win. Yeah, he doesn't want his yeah, crew to real. feel bad and feel like, you know, they, he doesn't want them to think that. Uh, he thinks they can't accomplish anything on their own. Just, you know, let them, they'll work it out eventually. That's and right. If they need help, then he'll send them help. But uh, back on the bridge, Sulu announces that they are picking up speed. So Kirk tells him to just cut power, but Sulu can't do anything to stop it. I mean, he, he pushed, uh, single, he pushed single one button, button strategy and he's like, I, I did everything I could. Yeah, single button strategy has failed again. I, I, I pulled the I, I, uh, the e-brake and it didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a big lever. It just has to crank it up. Uh, so Kirk, uh, he, go, he gets up and he's like, fuck this. I'm going to go handle this myself. But... Uh, when he goes to leave the bridge, Norman walks in and grabs him by the arm. And so he, he questions Norman, and uh, Norman says that he has taken complete control of the ship, and he has installed a relay trigger, and if they try to alter their course, the ship is going to be destroyed. Hold hold up really uh, quick before you continue. Where are the security guards on the bridge? Yeah, they normally have two by the elevator, right? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Conveniently not there. Well, you would, you they would imagine if they were going if, to find Norman. It, it, you would imagine if you got an intruder on board. You'd want at least a couple security guards on the main bridge to protect the bridge, right? Uh, yeah. I get your point. I, I get what you're trying to say. I don't even know if... Uh, I think they've done that in the past. The whole time. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I think when they've had issues like that in the past, they generally have some security people inside the door. Or, or is Kirk just like, well, I got a Spock, so that's you know way better than any security guards. Could be. Yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, Spock confirms uh, the relay and exploding, and he says that uh, they might accidentally extinguish themselves if they do anything. 
And uh, Kirk asks Norman who he is, and Norman just says, you know, that they, that he says we, but, you know, he says that they are no threat to humanity or humanoid life, and that they only require the ship, and that they don't mean the uh, crew any harm. So Kirk asks, like, well, who are we? And Norman uh, then lifts up his shirt, which takes a weird turn. Like, <laughs> I don't, I've never asked anybody who they are. They just, like, show me their belly button. But uh, he lifts up his shirt to reveal his stomach, and he, he folds down this little panel on his stomach and uh, reveals he's got some robot insides. And then we go to the uh, the show opening from there, which actually, that was a really cool. I wonder if that was um, part of the remastered edition, if, like, what the original robot insides look like? Because that I, honestly, I'm curious. Way above I, what I put they um, for the time. I put cool robotic uh, design. I thought it was really cool. Like I knew it was very. Uh, it looks. It looks really good. Um, so I was like, I knew it was very proppy because you know how back in the day they, they used a lot of props or whatever. But I thought it looked good for the time. Yeah, uh, and, and also look looked up. practical. Also, it, it looked practical. I'm gonna have C- to look CGI, up the so. uh, the original for that. See if I can find it. Okay, actually, I'm looking at it right now, and it definitely did not look that cool, but it honestly didn't look terrible. Hmm. Uh, I'll post it in, like, the Discord or something for you guys. Okay, cool. But, um, yeah, so we come back from the show opening, and uh, Norman says that he controls the trigger relay and that he cannot be overcome by physical means, and he says that uh, if they use their phasers, then he's going to activate the relay, which would destroy the ship. And he says that uh, they're going to reach their new destination in four days. So Kirk asks Norman who sent him, but Norman says that he's not programmed to respond in that area, and then he just shuts himself off. He's like, yeah, having enough of this conversation. I'm not answering your questions. I'm going to go to sleep for four days. So we actually cut to like four days later, and uh, we get a captain's log explaining that it's four days later, and they're now orbiting a planet that has never been charted, and we get some scenes of just like Uhura trying to walk like normally like she does on the bridge but she walks into Norman she's not used to him being there four, and, four like, days Chekhov of him just sitting there not used to it yet yeah like Chekhov comes in and like almost bumps into him because he's still not used to him being there <laughs> yeah it, it would you know what would have been funny if someone just came up from behind him and just kind of pushed him over to see if he would just like tumble over <laughs> just like tips him like a sleeping <laughs> cow which I don't think that really works does it I, uh, uh I'm not sure honestly Anyway, yeah, uh, so Norman suddenly, uh, he wakes up and he informs Kirk that uh, Kirk is going to be transported down to the planet along with a science officer, a medical officer, a communications officer, and a navigator, which is weird because that's like everybody that he normally hangs out with anyway. So, Are they got my friends? No big deal. Yeah, you would just basically should have said you and the normals, like the normal <laughs> people, are going to go do this thing. Uh, Kirk, uh, he kind of refuses, and he says that any meetings or discussions can happen on the Enterprise, but Norman says that if they don't go, the ship's engines are going to be destroyed, and the ship will remain in orbit forever. So, uh, Norman then expresses confusion about uh, a word. He's like, you guys have a word that means something to humans, but it doesn't mean anything to us, and I I think that word is please. So they're just all like, (laughs) all right, he said the magic word. Like, I guess we'll have to go along. Kirk was like, well, you son of a bitch. You got me. Yeah, yes, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, that means nothing to people nowadays anyway. Please mean nothing no. anyway. So <laughs> no. they get the overvalue of that word uh, in here is kind of just, it's funny to overvalue, think about like uh, the time for the show. Like that's not, like, hey, please now, I'm like, oh, whatever. You know, like they don't have the same kind of value it did back then, I think personally. So it's just, it, it just yeah. made me think about the time when I heard that. Well, it would have been funny if like, Kirk would have been like, no, was like, all right, pretty please with the cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that would have been actually kind of good, actually. So, um, 
Yeah, so we go a little bit later, and Norman and Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, and Chekhov all beam down to the planet. And listen, this is not, it's not Chekhov hate. But honestly, why Chekhov? Like, why not Sulu? (laughs) Like, well, they're going to take a navigator, okay? Sulu has proven that he's a good fighter. He's proven that he has a level head. And he's basically like a lesser Kirk. Like, why not Sulu instead of Chekhov? Like, what skills does Chekhov have that would make him, like, the choice to take in this situation? Okay, here we go. I got you. My response is, he trusts Sulu more with the ship. Therefore, he, he, he has Spock down here. He needed somebody to trust on the ship. He went with Sulu. Actually, that's a super fair point. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Because he does... Yeah, I, I think next... So since uh, Spock is there, and Uhura is there, and McCoy is there, I think it was, what, Scotty and then Sulu, Sulu. like in the yeah. chain of command, I believe. And then that one... Or maybe that one random guy that they had the one episode that who one we never was, yeah. saw before no. and never saw again. I remember him. I don't know where he where he fits, but yeah. No, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because they've got Scotty still on board, and they have. I I, I, I just put down no defend Chekhov at all cost on on my notes. So I knew that I knew <laughs> well, you were gonna that, go at him. That go was not an illogical attack episode, on Chekhov. It was. I thought genuinely... episode of like, yo, don't let him attack Chekhov this episode. So I made sure to write down notes about Chekhov, the, the positive <laughs> things of this episode. I found some good things this episode about him, so I wanted to clarify that just for. That was a genuine question. That was not Chekhov hate, but actually, uh-huh. that's a fair answer. That Sulu would be there to. To command the ship if you know something happened with Scotty, that yeah. that makes sense. Um, so uh, so Norman explains that there is life support on the planet, so they're gonna be fine. Which they never bothered to explain it any other time. I don't know why they bothered to explain it now. Um, but they proceed through a door that's guarded by a couple of android women that look basically identical, and uh, they enter a room where Harry motherfucking Mud on, is sitting be, on a throne. Before you get to Mud, though, really quick, the, the designs like in the cave that they teleported into kind of reminding me of like the 90s taco bell designs <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's where they went they went to a 90s taco bell that's where mud lives i did um i did some <laughs> well, research that's uh, paradise to me also i did research trivia wise and kind of find out so all the people in this uh show are, are all identical twins you know i wondered because they got a lot of people they that not like. only looked sim like looked exactly like but then a lot of people that looked like them yeah, so <laughs> what, like, they, what they, they did was uh, they got identical twins, which is the first one to see immediately. And then their way of doing it was instead of doing split screens, they could just change their clothes so they look a little bit, so it looks like it's like a little bit like the copies of each other kind of, but the clothes are different here and there. Okay. And so and so they kept getting more, and apparently there's a bunch of set identical twins they got to do the episode. Huh. So I, I was just kind of oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, so like each time you see somebody and somebody else, it's definitely somebody and a twin. That was part of their that's part of their quota for uh, having people in this episode. So, hmm, it's okay, cool. yeah, that makes sense because I was so super curious. I'm like, how do they get all these people that look like very? Because like, of course, the identical twins looked alike, but like they even like looked similar to the other sets other, of identical. Yeah, twins. yeah, like they once got other sets of twins. Yeah, so they match other, other sets of twins. Yeah, so yeah, they went. Yeah, they really went and weird. got like a, a, a identical twins or whatever that looked at each other, and uh, that's how they did, did it. Apparently, there's a random huh. story I just read earlier where, like, uh, the dude was driving down the street, saw identical twins, hopped off the car, and it said he wanted to be in a TV show, <laughs> and got them. Oh, because the amount of times wanted... that has led to nothing good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they wanted them to be in the Star Trek show. And I saw that story and I thought, wow, you can do that nowadays. We're like, hey, guys. like, Yeah. <laughs> you yeah it's be in a completely movie different twins? now than it was in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. I guess also location matters too. If that happens in LA, you're like a little more uh likely M2. to be okay than if it happens yeah. in like Kentucky. So <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, so yeah, Harry Mudd is there sitting on a throne. He's got a, a lady on either side of him, and Kirk is surprised to see Mudd there, and, and Mudd welcomes him. And I, I'm going to be honest, for this episode, um, there was it's, – it's, it's a dialogue-driven episode. And I did not note every line of dialogue, so I, there's going to be a oh, lot okay. that I yeah. just kind of, kind of gloss over and like generalize because uh, I was not about to sit and, you know, hammer out every conversation that they have. So like, it, yeah, I'm just going to be generalizing a lot of this. But um, yeah. So Mud basically explains that he's uh, he's the ruler of the planet that he's on, and uh, Kirk says that uh, he just wants control of his ship back and. Uh, he goes to call the Enterprise on his communicator, but one of the uh, androids, which they are all called Alice, um, takes his communicator and just crushes it with one hand. Uh, and at this point, I'm like, uh, well, Kirk has a lot of experience with robots and androids. So I figure this was at this point, I figure it's going to be a logical fallacy episode because that's the way that they always win is through the logical fallacy. At this point, you think they would just have them like loaded up and ready to go, like on a tape recorder. Like they encounter an android they think is bad, and they just yeah, play this the is tape very, and um, explodes, and they, they just move on. This is very re- reminiscent of every other android encounter that we've had so far. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, when we get not, we're we're getting here early, but like when we get to the end, we'll, we'll it's always the confusing the computer by using illogical things to make the brain go wire and go crazy because computers can't think illogical like humans can, etc., etc. That's it's like how every ep- episode ended so far, so. Right. Look, I'm just mad that we didn't have an Android 18. Yeah. Well, there's 500,000 of them, so well, one wait, of look, them we, is number 18. We, but... we didn't get to see Android 18. Yeah, or any of the good ones. <laughs> I, I I did see a note about your boy Mud that they almost started a Mud uh a Mud series. Oh God! Like Gene Roddenberry was, was working on it, but he got too so busy with other Star Trek stuff that he didn't get a chance to uh, finish uh, coming up with the idea. Why, who would want that? Honestly, who the Listen, fuck would Star gotta, Trek I got to be real with you guys. I got to be real. I like the Mud character, bro. I he, like him a lot. He, like, like he, he's, he, he fits that, like, he fits this, uh, that eccentric bad guy time, for the time. They're over eccentric. They're weird. They're, like, kind of goofy and, and like, kind of sinister at the same time, but they're kind of, kind of likable. Like, that, he fits that era of this, um... I can't even. Is it the bad guy? But you you kind of like him, but you don't like him because he's kind of annoying. He's, he's kind it's, of an antihero. Yeah, yes, he's not, antihero he's not, in a way. Yes, he's not like a villain. Villain. The most evil thing that I yeah. can see Mud doing is probably you know ripping the tag off uh, the bed that says "Do not remove." Yeah, <laughs> yeah like like you, you can see him conning somebody, and you're rooting for him to win in the con, even though you know he shouldn't be winning in the con. Like his character isn't hateable. Like I like I think it's kind of very likable. Even in this he, for this whole does. episode, like I should not like him because he's the annoying bad guy. But by the end, I thought I actually like his character because it's like he's awfully selfish. He's out for himself at all times, but at the same time, he has like a line he doesn't cross in his in his way of his selfishness. You know, because kind of reminds me of like like old school like anime characters in a way where they're selfish, all about themselves, to the bad guy. But at the same time, you can trust him and to do, be in a fight when you need him. There, there is but kind I, of a I'm, charm to his like personality. Yeah, I, like I mean, him. I'm. Yeah, I can admit that. Plus, he has a killer mustache. Like that thing's absolutely amazing. The little twirls on the end. I, 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 but I guess <laughs> I should clarify that my issue with Mud is was not really with the character of Mud himself, and it was oh, okay. more that that episode was just it was pointless. It was dumb. Like it served no purpose. It didn't advance anyone. There was no character development. Like that was a fucking throwaway, stupid ass episode that he was in, <laughs> and like. So like the character of Mud is okay, but Mud's women was a terrible fucking episode. 
I, I will say, though, I feel like Mud needs to have a giant turkey leg in his hand at all time for some odd uh, yeah, reason. So I don't know why, just, but I picture him with a turkey a leg. Bite. <laughs> it's just, I don't at all times, and it never goes away. Another random note, if I'm reading this right, guys, uh, M- the guy who plays Mud is the only actor to play the same character more than once in the whole show. Oh. Huh, aside from, like, the, the main crew, obviously. Yeah, yeah besides, besides the Enterprise crew, yeah. Well, didn't the same huh. actor play Khan in the the movie later on, or did they? Uh, well, I think yeah, it's more about movie. the series. Movie. Oh, okay. Not, not yeah, movie, not the actual show itself. Yeah. So, uh, so getting back on track here, uh, go, Kirk go, and Bud kind of go. They kind of go back and forth about you know wanting the ship and you can't have your ship and. Uh, Kirk demands that the uh, trigger be deactivated from the ship, and Mud says that yeah, I'll do that when I'm good and ready to. And uh, Mud makes it very clear that he's in charge, and he says that uh, the crew had better get used to where they are because they're likely going to be there for the rest of their lives. And then he laughs and points at the crew, and then we go to commercial. That's <laughs> really weird. It's like, ah, like imagine that happens to you in real life. Somebody's just <laughs> laughing at you and pointing at you, and then it's just kind of like when he's done laughing, it's like, now what? Like <laughs> we don't get to fade to commercial. So, uh, so yeah, we come back from commercial, and uh, Kirk is. Again, making his demands, and Mud explains that he has 500,000 android women to attend to him, and then he gets joined by several identical android women, all called Alice. And uh, Kirk asks how Mud escaped from the authorities on the mining colony that they left him on, and Mud, go- Mud goes on to explain that he basically committed industrial espionage and fraud, and he was like selling secrets from one civilization to another, and eventually uh, he got caught, and he was offered many, many different ways to be put to death, but he just decided to escape. Uh, escape prison instead you know from his perspective a a way better option than you know being killed yes yeah none of those sounded particularly great but uh paul i know you you didn't watch uh mud's women i think i forget what's going on at the time you had like technical difficulties yeah i think my my ipad was down i don't remember exactly what uh happened in that episode but like he had a couple of women that were somehow able to like influence men or something and then oh, okay. he was going to like a mining colony to try to get some kind of, I don't remember if it was like dilithium crystals or what the hell they were doing. Yeah, I think it probably but, has to be Roger 12 probably. It's probably Roger 12. And I remember, right, that's the mining company that has the, the crystals. But they ended up uh, just basically stranding him there, I think, with like his his women. Oh, wasn't oh. that the one, Dan, where they were like drinking something that made them appear young? And then when they didn't drink it, like they got old or something. They got like old looking. Was it that episode? I don't know. I hated that episode anyway. I mean, the way he's talking there, about beauty, there, there the way he's talking about beauty in this episode, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's there was like, like a span of like three or four episodes around that that area that just weren't that good. Yeah, yep. Um, but yeah, they they had stranded him on like this mining colony, and and now he uh, he has made it here. But he explains that he wandered through unmapped space and found himself on the planet that he's on. And uh, Spock says that Mud went through substantial risk and effort to bring a starship there so logically he has to have a compelling motive and uh, mud sarcastically says that spock's gonna love it there because all the androids uh talk the way that spock does <laughs> he's very sarcastic at that which which is pretty good um but uh mud explains that he found a planet with over two hundred thousand androids who exist to serve his every whim but the problem is that they won't let him leave because they want to study him and learn more about human beings hold, hold, hold on really quick so, couldn't he just have the androids build a spaceship to leave the planet with him. Potentially, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think yes, maybe 
that's one of the things that I had thought about too, is like, I don't know if they necessarily care about keeping him there. They just care about being around him. So he could have had them build a big ship and they just follow him around. But he's not the smartest guy. So I, he probably didn't consider that. He's, He's more about conning than, you know, coming up with, you know, logical plans. Yeah. Imagine you have an army of 200,000 basically indestructible androids. Like, you could take over any planet that you wanted. Like, you didn't have, you wouldn't have to be a conman anymore. You could just basically, like, go around and capture planets. Be a, war, a warlord, pretty army. much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's really not living up to the potential of uh, of his army there. But see, he, he's not that type of evil. No. But he should be. Mm. I, I would respect, he he would fit his, uh, his attire and his look more if he was that type of evil. <laughs> Because now he looks Watch like it. a space swashbuckler. <laughs> wow. Watch this episode. I guess I just realized there's only one set of twins in this episode. Like, oh. there's one set of women twins and one set of guy twins. And I think there's a split screen. They use a split screen to make it look like it's more than uh, more than, uh, clones of each other. Huh. So just a little uh, little movie uh, magic, or I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mud goes on to say that uh, he ran out of things for the androids to do, and that they insisted that uh, they bring him, or he bring them, some more humans to serve and study. So he brought them a starship captain, and he says that Kirk and the crew are gonna take over for him, so he can finally leave. But Kirk obviously refuses, and uh, Mud says that he doesn't really have a choice, and he has the uh, androids show the crew to their quarters. So uh, McCoy approaches a. Uh, like, as they're getting ready to leave the, the room, McCoy sees, like, this big dark spot on the wall, and he's like, what the hell is this thing? And uh, Mud expi- explains that it's a shrine to his wife, Stella. And he presses a button that opens the doors in this wall, and it's just, like, a replica of her. And he talks about how she always nagged him, so every time he thinks of her, he goes further out into space. <laughs> and so he had the androids make a replica of her so he could rejoice in her absence. Oh, my, oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh man, this is classic. Like this episode itself was just ridiculous and, and like goofy and fun. But this yes. moment, I was like, "Yo, the fact that he said that and the way he said it, and it just make the way he said the way it, it makes sense." He's like, "Yeah, I got it. So I can know it. Let's go further out." Like that's yeah. mean and funny and laughable at the same time. <laughs> I like it a lot. Every time I think of her, I do my best to get further away. <laughs> further away. <laughs> so was, uh, that is so cool. True love. Just, what, what, what a good writing. Like that was a very good. Whoever read that part in is a good idea. Yeah. Um, so he then addresses Stella and she just instantly starts nagging him and uh, calling him names, like saying that he's lazy and all this stuff. And then he just, yeah. he tells her to shut up and she starts just like, shutting down and he closes the doors <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, he jokes about how he finally gets to have the last word with her and the last word with Kirk. Like um, uh, he's actually, actually now both times that he's been in the show, he has this, uh, kind of comedy role to him. Uh, Dan, I don't know if you remember, like when they were interrogating him, and then anytime he would say something, the computer would call him out on his bullshit, and they would like they would ask him a question, and he would give an answer, and the computer's like, "No, that's wrong." <laughs> like he was just getting like mad about it. Um. So anyway, uh, a little bit later, the crew are being escorted to their quarters, and Kirk uh, questions the androids about who made them, and Norman explains that their makers are from the Andromeda Galaxy, and that they were in fact humanoid, but uh, machines more were more common there. And Norman explains that uh, they performed the necessary service functions for their uh, their owners, I guess, and basically freed their makers to evolve a, to a perfect society, a social order. 
So Kirk uh, then asks what became of their makers, and Norman explains that their son became a Nova and that only a few outposts survived, including himself. And he says that the other makers just ended up dying over time. So that sucks for them. They achieved like a perfect society and then got wiped out by their own son. <laughs> so that's that's what they get. <laughs> How dare Keeps they? them to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Spock asks Norman who the androids serve now. And uh, all of them say that all the androids in the room say in unison that they serve Harry Mud because he gives them purpose. So Norman leaves, and the Alices tell the crew about all the amenities, and including a, a library and various research laboratories and workshops. And then uh, Kirk asks <laughs> Alice to leave, and she's like, "Why?" Like all the androids are like, "Why do you want us to leave?" And Kirk says, "Well, it's because we don't like you." <laughs> and he just like motions them away. <laughs> like, God damn! I know they're I robots. Thought that would have been Jesus um, Christ. That that's Bones' line anyway. That's yeah. Bones' line. Like he's the one that hates electronics. Like I think that was Bones' line, not Kirk's line. But Kirk, Kirk yeah, was just been. savage in that moment. It was just, it was just yeah, funny. Just, we don't, we don't like he you. said it, I felt, I felt like that's Bones' line. That, that's what Bones would say, though. Like Bones, but like, we don't like you. Like of course, he don't like machines. So like, of course, it's will be a Bones' line, not a really Kirk line. Yeah. And then he hits them with like the the '60s equivalent of Ruby Rod going zzz zzz. Let's fucking <laughs> shoot him out of there. This is the maddest we've ever seen, Kirk. He's like, look, you're not taking my ship. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't threaten his ship. Like, that's really the only thing that he ever, like, okay, if you threaten his crew, he's like, okay, like, that sucks. Like, I should, I should do something about that. But if you take his ship from him, boy, he is just, he just gets, like, mad about it. Yeah. Like, it's an unhealthy relationship with that ship. You're going to kill five people, he'll be upset. You kill, you take his ship, it's like, oh, don't touch my ship, bro. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm surprised Kirk had to put, like, some type of, like, AI voice in the ship, like a female voice. Female voice that will talk to him. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't actually. You would think that, like, being all sci fi, that they would have the ship. Well, I guess occasionally it does talk. Well, occasionally it does, but it's always the. Wasn't there an episode where he did was talking to the ship? Yeah, it had a really weird personality. Yeah. Yeah. And it called him, like, Honey or something, and he didn't (laughs) like it. It called him Daddy Kirk. (laughs) 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 I remember that now. Yep. Warp me, Daddy Kirk. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah so the asses leave and Kirk asks the crew for their opinions and uh, Chekhov says that he thinks that they're just in a lot of trouble and Kirk is very sarcastic and he says that well that's great help so like even Kirk hates Chekhov at this point Um, (laughs) but unfortunately uh, McCoy agrees and he says that they are in a lot of trouble so Kirk goes to Spock and he's like don't you say that they're in a lot of trouble and Spock's like yeah we're in a lot of trouble (laughs) and uh, he says Spock thinks that the androids have to have a uh, central control system that controls the entire population. So Kirk has them uh, split up and see if they can go find it or get any information while he goes to talk to Harry Mudd. So uh, we cut to a little bit later and Spock is looking around and he finds a room where uh, Norman is at a uh, little control console and he's holding this like like pulsing light up crystal thing. And... uh, Norman tells Spock that it's their central control complex. So he just like willingly gives up the information. <laughs> like, and this is the thing. Like, the, the, if you, if anything can stop us, you know, if you want to gain control of anything and stop us, it's this right here. Like, let me, let me show you exactly yeah, that, how to use that it. Yeah, that naivety as androids is very, very um weird. Yeah. Uh, so Spock asks if there are more than 200,000 of the androids, as Mud said, and the android responds... Uh, Norman responds that there are 207,809 of them. And Spock's like, I have found my people. Like, this is fantastic. 
He's like, I am so, in love. Uh, yeah, so Spock asks Norman uh, if all of them are controlled through the crystal device, and Norman says that he's not programmed to respond in that area, even though he literally just told them that it's their central control complex. Um, but his uh, his necklace, the android, or Norman, because all the uh, androids are wearing a necklace with a number on it, and uh, Norman's has number one, and it just like starts flashing, almost like he's thinking, or like his hard drive is doing work. And uh, we go elsewhere to Kirk and Ahura, and they're being given a rundown of the androids from one of the Alice's. Like, she's just kind of explaining, like, oh, you know, this is how we work and, you know, all this shit. And uh, Mud talks about the various other series of female androids that he had, and, and Kirk asks Her- Harry if he believes in male androids. But Mud is pretty uninterested in having male androids, and we, yeah, we don't know why. Because he was now. fucking them robots. He was <laughs> fucking them robots. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny Kirk would bring that up because I feel Kirk would have done the same thing. Was Thank you. Absolutely. Exactly. He knew it was what it, Kirk, Kirk would have been worse. He would have oh, had yeah. Norman. <laughs> Absolutely. Norman wouldn't exist. No. It would have been Norman. It would have been Norman. Diversitized on what the androids would have looked like, though. He was like, I'm not going to have yeah. this one, one woman android. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mud definitely has a type. Clearly. Yes. So that, yeah. Um, so Alice explains that their medical robots can place a human brain inside of an android body, and Uhura's like, okay, like, I'm interested in this, let's keep talking about this. <laughs> uh, but we cut to a little bit later, where, uh, everybody has met back up, and Spock is talking to Kirk about his findings as Mud and McCoy then enter the room, and, uh, McCoy's pretty excited about their research facility, like, he's pretty pumped about it, and he's like, Kirk, you gotta go see this, it's amazing. Uh, but Kirk doesn't give a shit. So uh, and then an Alice brings in uh, a very pissed off Scotty, who was not part of the original landing party. And uh, he explains that uh, an android threw him into the transporter and beamed him down to the planet. And Mud explains that uh, he beamed a few dozen androids up to the Enterprise to send Kirk's crew to the surface. And now the entire Enterprise crew is on the planet and the uh, the Enterprise is full of androids. Where are they at? Question. Yeah, we don't see them for the rest of the episode. We, we don't see them for the whole episode, yeah. And it's like, like I guess these are as an excuse there. not to show the ship them. anymore. So it doesn't matter the ship anymore, but we didn't even show the ship with androids in it. Yeah. Like, like why wouldn't we go back to the ship and have the android uh, people walking around the ship something? Like, I just didn't, that was kind of a, a waste of plot hole. Yes. And could, if we don't even uh, see you her anymore. Like, you get brought, or no, who's the, uh, we didn't see, uh, my bad. Like how have the other people that are on top of the in the uh, in the bridge? Sorry, in the bridge. I thought it might be like show some yeah, like, none of like them. Sulu or somebody. Yeah, like yeah, Sulu or any of the security guys. Nothing. We don't see nobody. I just yeah. Why didn't they least, bring I, like at least Sulu on there with some? At also. least Sulu. Yeah, at least Sulu. Yeah. So uh, so Kirk gets really pissed off and he grabs Mud by the throat and Mud explains that there's an entire crew of androids on the ship now, and we go to commercial break because again Kirk only cares about the ship. Doesn't give a fuck about the people. He's not like, well, are my people okay? Like, are they all safe? He's like, my ship. When uh, Kirk uh, was trying to chuck, uh, choke out mud there, you can tell there's a big uh, size difference between the two of them. Yeah, mud's a big dude. Yeah, he is. He's a real big dude. But uh, we come back from the commercial, and Kirk lets mud go, and mud just kind of gloats about having his own starship. And uh, mud then leaves, and Spock talks to Kirk about how he thinks that mud could be successful. And uh, he goes on to say that he's concerned that the androids could provide anything that a human could ask for in unlimited quantities. 
So they kind of uh, are collectively worried about how the crew is going to react to a world where they can have anything that they want. And I would say they're going to react to that positively. That, that, positively, that would have been yes. a perfect cutaway to see the crew just partying up with all yeah. the androids. Yeah, like the episode where they all got under the influence of drugs. Like, yeah, like about having the time of their life. And like, of course, right after that, they go to Chekhov. You know, with yep. that Brandon hates Chekhov. <laughs> I wrote it down, wrote it down, and Chekhov or whatever. And I'm like, oh, he just what? He's so sudsy, like suspect right now. That I'm like, yo, this is just making Brandon's point perfectly. This whole scene is a waste, and it yeah. makes him look. It makes him look very kind of, I don't know, kind of pervy in the in the worst way. And I look, thought this all just fits Brandon's narrative of how bad Chekhov is in the show. And I thought, <laughs> I thought this whole minute and a half was just, I don't know. It's just, I'm not, it's just, yeah. It's awkward now. I guess it's awkward for now. I find it very awkward. I'm not gonna lie. That would have probably crossed my mind also. That I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. It's just that it's Chekhov. That's the issue. Because like, if it occurred, we, we it had been Kurt, would have been whatever. But it's Chekhov. So when we just saw Chekhov, thought, oh, here goes Brandon with the whole list of Chekhov stuff immediately. So, you know, we kind of dealt with this uh, situation before, Paul. I think it's another one that you missed, but this was what. Uh, what little what are little girls made of? Isn't that the one where they made like a copy of Kirk and there were androids and then oh no, actually I think Paul, you might have seen that one. No, no, sure. no, you didn't see that one. There no, was no, a, because you're right. Because I saw Mudsmen and they were they were at, uh, that was like uh, like eight nine. They were right after yeah, each other. Yeah, the back to back. Yeah, yeah, I missed two episodes. But yeah, we yeah. we kind of dealt with this android situation before because there was like some doctor guy in a cave and he pushed a dude down a hole and the guy that played Lurch from the Adams family was there. Okay. And it's like these are basically those androids. Boy, they really are just recycling ideas for this episode, yeah. aren't they? <laughs> like not the only, the only difference is is that Mud, like Mud as a character, is like kind of the central point of everything. Yeah. You know, because they they like it so much. Like he has his own like little cartoon, and he has the bunch of, like there's Mud stuff. There's there's a bunch yeah. of Mud. So like yeah. they must like to care so much. They want to do so much with him, but. I just I, I get the I get the reference I get the we're using an idea to keep them in there, but they could have thought made it a little more interesting rather than just repeating stuff. Right? Do, do you uh, um, do you think uh, Kirk's ever hooked up with an android? Like he's plowing oh, his way through the galaxy. Of course. So. Oh come yeah, on, man! Absolutely. It's Kirk. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, a fembot. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's all about it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we do cut to the throne room, like Paul was talking about, where Chekhov is on the throne and two Alices come and give him a drink. And he tells them that they're both lovely, and uh, he laments that they're not real girls. And one of the Alices says that they are programmed to function as human females, and uh, Chekhov says that the place is even better than Leningrad. And he takes a little drink and thinks about fucking some robots. <laughs> uh, but actually in this scene, the way that... He he looks different. Like He looks like he's dropped a little weight between episodes. His hair looks smaller. Yeah, his hair looks a lot smaller. And actually, looking at him on this throne, all I kept thinking about was Fez from that '70s show. <laughs> he looks. Oh, He's I like, think the design of the throne. I think the design of the throne yeah. is really big. Makes him look even shorter and smaller than what he is. Like yeah, I think he's probably just like too, a five but... foot, like a five foot, uh, five foot six guy. Kind of looks kind of short on that throne. He looks just medium. <laughs> like yeah. he looks real, real small. So. Yep. So, uh, meanwhile, Scotty is in another room, and he's impressed by some equipment that he found, and uh, an android explains that Scotty can command the androids to make anything that he wants, or uh, they can just get him the parts, and he can do the work himself for pleasure. Uh, Mud and Kirk then enter the room as the android explains that uh, 
They only want to make humans happy and comfortable. So that's their entire purpose. Uh, a little bit later, Kirk enters a room with the rest of the crew, and he talks about how they have to get out of there. Uh, the crew are pretty uninterested, though. They, uh, they're they like, well, you know, honestly, this place isn't too bad. And Kirk's like, no, no, we have to leave. This place sucks ass. Like, you guys yeah, get everything. I don't I mean, have I my don't ship. Even like, though he honestly, can literally have the them first... build him a ship. This place, I'd stay. I yeah. would, I, I'd stay for a little bit, you know? I'd be all right. I get anything I want. Yes. All, any kind of food I want, anything I want. I mean, I'd probably be, you know, eight, weigh 8,000 pounds, but, you know, I'd be happy. <laughs> uh, you know what, though? You could have them invent you a machine to take you back down to regular size. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. You see? What a good point. You don't got to worry about nothing. And then you can get, or you can just be put in a sweet-ass robot body and not have to worry about it. And Ooh, I can also you- design who I, people I want to be. I can design whoever I want to be. I can design, like, yeah. 10 Angelina Jolie's if I want to. Or 10 Cent yeah, Bullocks. It's your reality. Yeah, so I, I can do what I want to do. Would you take an Android body if offered to you? Oh, um, that's a good question. If there was no chance of it being controlled by somebody else, then yeah, probably. I'd be down for an Android body. Uh, can I feel still? Or am I just alive? That that would be my big thing. I keep all my senses. Yeah, if I'm, I'm a RoboCop, you know, I can't feel nothing, you know. Or am I, I don't know, uh, somebody can feel something. If I can't feel nothing, then uh, I'm good. I well, don't let's, say, let's say it's like, Super, uh, super sci-fi, and it's basically the perfect android body in that you can still feel everything, and you can still do everything. Oh, yeah, I'm, You I'm can out. taste food, but you don't yep. have to eat it if you don't want. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely cloning it. Yep, definitely take me. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I probably would lean towards yes, but, man, do you want to live course, forever, yes. though? Like, 500,000 uh, years is a really long time. Well, yeah, listen, but, but if you're just putting, like, your too, consciousness though. or your brain, yeah, if you're just putting your consciousness or your brain in a robot body, you can end that at any time. That's true. You don't have and to also, five hundred thousand years or whatever, I didn't get another body and put my put my brain in another one because it, it didn't say you right. couldn't move, go from body to body. So you know, I can just keep moving my brain to different bodies over time. Yeah, better ones. There, there is a movie like that actually. I can't remember right now. A movie kind of like that where people uh, put their their minds into other us. Uh, oh, oh, the other half. Alter Carbon. It's a Netflix show and. They put they call the body sleeves, and they literally can put their mind in other sleeves. They call it body. So, really cool show, by the way. If you guys want to check it out, Alter Carbon Netflix. I don't want to promote you guys, but yeah, really, really cool <laughs> interesting show about how. Are you getting put, paid for this? <laughs> Did they ask you to do this? They, put, they uh, don't have sponsors now. <laughs> holy cow! Yeah. yeah, they put like they put people's minds into other bodies, and it's like terminology for it. It's, it's a really cool show. So two seasons. It's over, but check it out. Yeah, so uh, so Alice or Anne Alice enters and asks if the crew if there's anything that they need and. Kirk asks her to return his ship, but uh, he's and he says that they're unhappy, and she asks him to explain what unhappy means because she ain't got a damn clue. And uh, Spock steps up to explain that unhappiness occurs in a human when wants and desires are not fulfilled. So she asks which wants and desires are not fulfilled, and Kirk says that they just want the Enterprise. And I, at this point, like we had just kind of touched on, uh, Kirk is just not content with paradise. How many times is this man going to turn down paradise in this series? Well, his or, ship is or his destroy. paradise. Yep, or, or destroy one with people perfectly happy, and he goes in there with his own yeah. logic and destroys their whole way of life. Yes, He's Kurt just is a really... fucking force of misery yes. for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good point. Like, this is not about him discovering strange new worlds. It's about him going to people's heaven and just fucking it up. That's all this show's about. I, I will say it's messed up that he's speaking on behalf of everyone else. So, like, we want our yeah. ship back. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we, we don't want you, nothing. This you the, is this yeah. the royal we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we. Now, what, what is this we? 
Like, no, you mean you want this shit back? I don't want this shit. I want to be here with all these females. Are you kidding me? Come on now, bro. That's when they all should have gotten together and be like, listen, Kirk, I didn't want to say nothing. I hate that ship. <laughs> <laughs> that ship is trash. Like, honestly, fuck that I ship. I want to get here so if bad. You want it back, I, I want to get away. <laughs> well, I imagine the security guards are like, yo, we're tired of being, <laughs> we're tired of being we're killed all the time. Like, we'll <laughs> day. Leave me here. Why didn't, why didn't Kirk just ask for like an Android crew and just, like that could be the thing that makes him happy. Just they can build him a ship and he can go around with an Android crew and go on still have his regular adventures, but just within a crew that doesn't die. And he could be happy that way. Well, he can make a crew just like his crew of androids, so it would just feel yeah. like he's hanging out with all his friends anyway. Yeah. No nah, they're not they don't act very humanish. Like they, they, they don't talk human 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 enough. Well, like, I mean, they'd be all Spock like. Yeah, a whole ship of Spocks? No, nah, he ain't gonna like that. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no variety there. Whole ship of Spocks? Nah. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, he talks about how they're unhappy and they want the Enterprise, and Alice's necklace starts to blink, and she says that the Enterprise is not a want or desire, it's a mechanical device. And Kirk argues that it's a beautiful lady and they love her. <laughs> it's just really fucking weird. And that is like, when we realize Kirk the has a The Enterprise is a beautiful lady and we love it. <laughs> he is a fetish for this ship, He, you know? Yeah. He probably at night just rubbing against it. Just, you know, it's okay, baby. Yeah. <laughs> just like drag okay, his face ship. down the hull of it. <laughs> I love you and only you. I'll let nobody hurt you ever, I promise. Talking to the ship. It's like, whoa, girl. It's like, no. it's like touching you, the you buttons somebody about that, man. <laughs> you think he gets jealous of Sulu because Sulu drives the thing? <laughs> He's a weirdo. Our Captain Kirk. So, uh. Yeah, so Alice says that it's illogical, and she apparently has to contact Norman for help before saying that happiness does not relate, and so they have to study what happiness actually is. Which doesn't make any sense, because if their entire purpose is to serve and to make them happy, they have to know what unhappiness is to know what happiness is, right? Like, you can't know what happy is if you don't know the opposite of it. Yeah, see, I think it's kind of interesting dilemma, too. I didn't get it myself, in a way. But maybe they... Maybe they don't, they don't compute unhappiness because all they do is feel desire, so they've never seen somebody unhappy. Like, well, if you then how would they know that they've seen somebody happy then? If like, yeah, see, if you don't know. Yeah, see, it's yeah, unhappy. Yeah, I know, I get that. Yeah, it's a good point. Just, just, it's just a, a minor, you know, issue with the plot. It's I mean, a, it's a, it's a kind it's of a, a deep it's philosophical a show. question, though. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So either way, uh, she leaves. And Kirk and Spock uh, find the interaction interesting and fascinating. Um, and Kirk asks McCoy if he's taken any psychological readings of the androids. And uh, Bone says that the androids are mentally and physically flawless with no weaknesses, fears, vices, or faults. Just a sense of purpose. So later, uh, Kirk goes to ask Mud some questions. But Mud says that he doesn't have time for questions because he's leaving in less than 24 hours. Which seems like plenty of time to answer some questions. <laughs> uh, hey, there's a uh, countdown, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Here's the pack. We have things to pack. Got to pack his clothes. Got to pack his stuff up. You know, I got to yeah, get my stuff in order. Get my passport, Stella. my ID, my bat, you know, yeah. everything. My wallet. On our way out, grab my wife. Yeah. Grab, yeah. grab my robot yeah. wife. Well, uh, Kirk again, he just, he wants his ship. And Mud makes a joke about Kirk being really stubborn. Uh, and Mud goes to Stella. He One last time, he wants to hear her nag at him. So... Uh, she does like he, she nags at him and he tells her to shut up and she does. And, uh, he goes to Alice number two and asks her to have his bags transported to the ship. And then all of the, uh, androids 
in the room in unison all say, no, my Lord Mud. And uh, number one explains that they, number one being uh, Norman, explains that they can no longer take his uh, Mud's orders. And uh, he says that Mud is flawed, even for a human being. And he says that human, the human species is self-destructive and they need the androids to help. Norman says that they are not going to harm the crew, but they will take the starship and leave the humans on the planet. And they're going to go have their own adventures. So Mud goes to... Uh, Oh, wait, sorry, my note was a little wrong. Number one is, um, number one, Alice. That one's not Norman, so yeah. Uh, so Mud goes to to Alice to have her put his bags on the ship, but she just pushes him down. So, so much for, you know, not harming anybody. <laughs> she <just> literally <laughs> fucking shoves him across the room. And uh, she says that they cannot allow any race as greedy and corruptible as humans to have free run of the galaxy. Actually, I don't remember. So now my notes are all fucked, because I... For some reason, I had just started using the robot numbers instead of the names. So, Paul, you're watching. Is that Norman that's telling them that they can't run around all crazy? He's number one, uh, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, it's Alice one and it's Norman Norman one too. They're both. There's two okay, ones. Okay, that's where I'm getting confused. Yeah, because Norman has the one and Alice has the one on them. Okay, that's right. So yeah, it's Norman. It says that they can't allow any race as greedy and corruptible as humans to have free run of the galaxy. So Spock asks Norman how they're going to stop the humans, and Norman explains that they will serve the humans and make them completely dependent on the androids, putting the humans' aggressive and inquisitive instincts under the androids' control. And then we go to a commercial break, which so they're just making like Wally universe, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's very uh the, the normal common thing where you know the robots realize we can't control ourselves and they want to come in and make us do things the right way, and they realize the normal things and and all AI type things been repeated over and over history. Yeah. The same, Which same honestly, things. if if I'm gonna have a group of robots come in hell bent on taking over the planet, I would rather they come in and do my job and make me not have to worry about anything than like you know evaporate me or some shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna come in and you're just gonna make everything peaceful and make it so I can enjoy my free time and I don't want or need anything, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, but <laughs> we've, we've come on we've in, robot overlords. That, uh, we've always learned like even to shows and whatever. Like humans are never happy having everything they want though. Like no, but you get it, everything it you want in life, life, and somehow it's like it's not good enough. You're like, oh, well, this isn't right. Like I want to have, like, like uh, I want to have want this, more. I want to have that. So no matter what, yeah, I want to have more. Or, or then you have, or then you have so much that oh, I want to have less. Like how, how the irony of having too much, so much that you want to have less is funny too. You know, so so it's like yeah, no, no matter what, it's 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 uh, it works out that way for us. So, but even if it goes that way. I am at least willing to entertain the idea for a little bit and give it a shot. Like, I'll do a trial period. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me I don't have to go to work anymore and I can have everything I want? I, I'll, I'll try it, okay? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be somebody who uh, who disagree with that. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah. I would never retire. I'll work forever. Okay, well, fine then, but I don't want to work anymore. So, can we, I, give I, me an Android. I, I will say, though, I, I've noticed just from where we work, when we see people retire, they seem to die within a year. And I wonder if it's because they lost a sense of purpose. Like, oh, hey, like, yeah, work sucks, but you're just sitting at home all day long, not doing anything. So your body's like, oh, you're not doing anything. Might as well just crap out. Shut down, shut down. No, I, yeah. I think it's because they don't get to retire until they're 95 fucking years old. That's probably why. He's <laughs> like, they walk, they walk out of the wheelchair with the, yeah. with the IV in their body. Oh, it's time to retire finally. Then they, they go outside and die immediately. Like, oh. Yeah. So, uh, so we come back from the commercial break, and Kirk is addressing the crew about the androids' threat. Spock thinks that the androids could accomplish it, and uh, Mud's like, yeah, they're, they're probably going to take over humanity. And uh, Spock explains that they have to be fast because he asked one of the androids, and 
Uh, the android told him that they only have to install some cybernetic devices on the Enterprise and that they're going to be ready to leave after that. Which was was funny because, like, McCoy's like, how do, how do you know that that's all they have to do? And he's like, well, I asked one. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Sound, sound strategy? Uh, so Scotty points out that the androids aren't capable of using independent thought. And Spock thinks that the device that he saw would be uh, incapable of controlling more than 200,000 of them. So they have to be doing it like that and another way. And he talks about the different series of the androids. Um, like they had, you know, the Alice series and like whatever, all the different, you know, female name series. And he points out that there is only one Norman. So Kirk recalls uh, when Alice called Norman for help, uh, thinking that Norman is possibly the center of their hive mind. And Spock agrees with that. So uh, Kirk gets this crazy idea, and he's like, well, we should just use wild, insane, irrational, illogical Norman, and that'll mess him up real good. And Spock's oh, like, of course. Yeah, that, yeah, we'll do that. Like, that's, I'm willing to try that one out. Yeah, like he does every other time there's a machine out there, and he wants to trick it. I said, one plus one is 35. Oh, no, it's not. It's two. It's two. One plus one is 35. <laughs> no, it's not. It's two. I swear it's two. I can't give you it. I don't understand it. Like, that's what yeah. happens every time. It's the same thing. They, every time. They do got to play, but... A playbook at this point on how to beat androids. Yeah, they like just they, take they, their time using it. They did it. Uh, the only difference between this one and the other one is they, they brought the twins in this time. <laughs> they put a bunch yeah. of Twitter robots in <laughs> to make it a little more interesting. Besides that, it's kind yeah. of the same idea. Well, yeah, that's how they beat Nomad. They, uh, yeah, the, everything, the, the, every robot's been that with logic. Yep. Every, we haven't, the, the we haven't two... created a virus yet. Well, have we did viruses yet? Yeah, no, we did. No. Um, the, 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 no. the one where they, they were getting drunk. The uh, one where the uh, guy gets his glove off. Okay, so we've got a virus, and we've tried to quick logic. Is there any other way we can destroy a robot by blowing them up? Maybe blowing up the main sort. We we blew up their main brain before. Oh, so you like, mean trying a, a virus on the uh, computer? Oh, okay, no, I thought I you we've done like that. A, Are they? No, done no, no, that? no, no, no we haven't done that. Yeah, I mean like ways. Yeah, like a virus. Then we can blow. We can blow a computer up. Uh, I don't know. I just we we can hack it. I don't know. It's just like uh, they kind of use the same ways to destroy it so often. I th- I can't think if they come with a new way to uh, yeah. do that. Yeah, just like hit it with a baseball bat or something. <laughs> Literally <Yeah>. anything <laughs> with a logical fallacy. I, I like it. So uh, Kirk enlists some help from Harry and uh, tells him that all he really needs to do is go to sleep. And then McCoy comes up and gives uh, Mud a shot to knock him out. So Kirk goes to Alice number one and uh, he needs to get access to their medical equipment on the Enterprise so that they can treat the uh, the sick Harry Mud. And Alice says that Kirk cannot be allowed to have access to that. But he just argues that she's programmed to serve and if Mud were to die, then she would have failed to serve. So her uh, little necklace thingy blinks and then she's like, all right, I've been directed to observe this situation. So she goes with Kirk. They go back to the quarters and... Alice looks, takes a look at Mud, and she's like, "Hey, that guy's malfunctioning." And uh, she asks if uh, Mud will be repaired if they take him to the Enterprise sick bay. And Kirk says, "Yep, that's the whole plan here." And then Uhura jumps up, and she says, "No, Kirk is lying. Everybody's lying, and it's a trick." And she says that McCoy injected something into Mud to make him look sick. And so Alice is like, "Well, on that grounds, with absolutely no investigation or asking any more questions, I'm going to refuse your request to get to the Enterprise." <laughs> so. Uh, Kirk asks Uhura, he's like, why Why the hell did you do that? And Uhura says that she wants an android body so she can become a mortal. And the Alice that's there says that, you know what? That's a good idea. We're going to fulfill our obligation and we're going to get you an android body and it's going to be ready before we leave. How nice is that? Uh, which was, this This was honestly, this I, I legitimately thought like Uhura had just 
fucking betrayed them. <laughs> like she's yeah, like, fuck this. I want to be on this planet as an android. <laughs> but uh, Alice leaves, and uh, Kirk then praises Uhura for her acting, and I was like, what? What the fuck was the the point of any of that? But then, thankfully, Scotty is there to explain to me that uh, they made an attempt that the androids were expecting. So they knew that the android knew that they were going to try to, like, pull some shit. And that, so basically it was like a fake out. So, like, they yeah. let the android shut them down. So then the androids are like, okay, that was, you know, we knew they were going to try to escape. That was it. And now we'll be okay. Yeah, Which is, they, that's just solid writing the, right there. The, the android's yeah. like, well, they, they tried once, so they won't try again. So they, they, they gave yeah. up. But that's a really solid like thing to address in the plot that like I would not have thought of had they not done it like I never would have thought of it. So um, good for the writers on that one. Um, but we go a little bit later and uh, Kirk goes to the throne room. He sits on the throne and hits a little button and he summons his summons two Alice's and uh, McCoy and Scotty then enter the room and pretend to play invisible instruments as Chekhov and Uhura enter and they are just dancing. They have a little waltz there. Uh, the Alice's ask, they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and Kirk's like, oh, they're celebrating their captivity. <laughs> and the, uh, he asks the Alice's if they're enjoying the music. But the Alice's are really confused because they can't hear any music. I mean, it, it's very, it's very like, very dumb at the same time. It's very it's smart. It's goofy as fuck. Yeah, it's, go- it's, it's dumb, goofy, and smart at the same time. Like, they, they did a very good balance of that episode. It was like, did something smart while staying goofy without going too far goofy. It's like, oh, okay. But they can't hear. So, like, I, I get it. It's just, uh, it's just weird. It's weird. I, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and say that there have been some really, really good episodes in this series as a whole. And there have been some really good scenes, like some great writing and directing and acting and all of this stuff. And yeah. the stuff that's coming up here is my favorite in all of Star Trek. Like, it's so goofy and out of place and fucking ridiculous and yeah. like everything that's about to happen in the, the upcoming scenes is yeah. it's I, I don't know I, I love it it's just so stupid but <laughs> just, I absolutely fucking love it like it's just so goofy and weird yeah cause like the Kurt's acting is weird and it's, but it's supposed to be awkward and weird and then I'm yes. dancing right here it's awkward and weird but it's supposed to be awkward and weird and they look weird they look weird even trying to act like they're doing it they look awkward like they're yeah. doing it and it's like imagine what it's like to have to act these scenes out yeah exactly it, yeah it's just it's just it's just so weird yeah yeah so uh so they get done with their dance and Chekhov thanks all of them for the dance and then Uhura just backhands the fuck out of him and one of the Alice's is like why did she just hit him and Kirk says that it's because she likes him so she's doing the uh, Helga and Arnold uh, thing from the <laughs> Arnold. Uh, so Kirk tells Chekhov that the floor is no place for an officer. And he tells Chekhov to stand at attention absolutely still. So Chekhov does this really weird pose with his arm in the air. And he just starts jumping up and down while the others are clapping going, Hi! 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 And Kirk's <laughs> like, that's much better. <laughs> I paused it on accident. And uh, Chekhov's like in the air jumping with both legs up at a perfect, <laughs> yeah. at a perfect angle. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what did I miss? Like, Because I, I looked away for a second and paused <laughs> it. And, and he's up in the air like looking all goofy with his hands up, jumping in the air. Yeah. And I thought, yo, this Ren has to use this dumb, this dumb frame right here. Oh, yeah. Like, one of those, yeah. Yeah, it, it was like he's literally jumping in the air or whatever, and he's up in the air. Like it looks like he's like jumping in the air, like yeah, <laughs> you know, and like sitting there. It's just, it's just so funny looking and goofy. I, 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 I would hate to use Chekhov as a cover art, though. That's the that's why exactly what I said. <laughs> it just it uh, exactly what I said. Like this episode is full of those like um uh, those little cut scenes. I was like, oh, you have a hard time finding one for this one because there's so many things you can use in this episode. 
That yeah, that, like I like I like that scene. It's funny. So uh, yeah, so they're all just you know saying hi hi hi, and, and uh, the Alice's necklaces uh, they continue to blink, and then one of them says that what's happening is illogical. And Kirk goes, well, your statement is illogical. So at this point, he's just he's just a child. <laughs> you're, you're illogical. <laughs> and uh, both of the Alice's necklaces stop blinking, and they just stay illuminated. So they got the yellow light of death on the PS3, and they uh, they just go completely still. The uh, the crew goes to examine them, and McCoy uses his tricorder, which I don't know where the fuck he got that. Uh, but he says that they are oblivious to everything. So basically, they're like they're bricked. You can't do anything with them. I don't know. They didn't try turning them off and back on again, though. Oh, the, well, you're right about the tricorder, huh? I never thought about that. Where did he get that from? Maybe, uh, maybe, no, maybe no they had, maybe he had one of the androids make them on. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna I need this so. to overthrow you. <laughs> so can you make, yeah, make one of these for me? That. And they're like, well, we do have to serve. Yeah. So uh, elsewhere, Spock is dealing with uh, two other Alice's, and again, uh, just the scene is fucking ridiculous. But he's talking about uh, parabolic intersection of dimensions within dimension. And uh, they compliment him on his logical, analytical mind. And he thanks them, and he he puts his hand on one of the androids, like, neck and shoulder. So the android asks uh, what he's doing, and he tells uh, one of them, one of the androids, that he loves her. And then he tells the other one that he hates her. He's like, I love you. <laughs> I hate you. And uh, the one that he hates, she's like, well, I'm identical to the other one in every way. And Spock says, that's exactly why I hate you. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's so ridiculous. It's amazing. It's so, that's what I said. It's so ridiculous. I just, I laughed whatever because I thought about somebody used it as a pickup line. <laughs> like, it's like, I love you, but I hate her, but I like you though. So, like, that's my, we look like the same. Yeah, but something about you was a little bit different. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I laughed a lot when I saw that. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Uh, so their devices start beeping and flashing, and then they shut down as well. And I'm like, man, that was a hell of a lot easier than what everybody else had to do. He just, yeah. just tells one he loves it, and the other one he hates it. So the crew, uh, they all gather together to p- report their success and to plan to work on Norman. And uh, they find Norman and two Alice's. And uh, Kirk tells Norman that uh, he wants him to surrender. Well, Norman finds that it's that's illogical, and he says that the androids are much stronger so Kirk disagrees, and he offers to prove to Norman that the humans are stronger than the androids. So he asks uh, Norman, he says, well, can you uh, harm a man that you're programmed to serve? And and Norman answers, no, he cannot. So Mud then approaches, and he says that Norman has already harmed them by taking away their freedom and their liberty and all this other stuff. And then uh, McCoy and Scotty start talking kind of like robots, and they say that Food and drink and happiness mean nothing to them, and they must be about their job. And I'm like, holy shit, like, do I work for these guys? Like, is this? <laughs> Sound like my boss is at uh, work. Yeah, and uh, they say that they can only be happy by suffering and torment and pain, laboring without end, dying and crying and lamenting over their burdens. And then they do this really weird, like, kind of curtsy thing. But uh, both of the Alice's, uh, they shut down, as Norman says that it's contradictory and uh, not logical. And uh, he asks Spock to explain. And Spock says that logic is a little tweeting bird chirping in a meadow. And uh, it's a wreath of pretty flowers that smell bad. And then he tells Norman that his ears are green for some reason. That, that's what pushed him over. The e- your ears are green. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Scotty starts uh, moaning dramatically. And he says that he's tired of happiness and comfort and pleasure. pleasure. And he asks everyone to kill him. And uh, then they all point their finger guns at him and make a whistling noise, and they pretend pew, to fire pew. their phasers. <laughs> Die! Pew, 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 no! <laughs> yeah. 
And, oh my uh, gosh, this episode. Uh. So McCoy dies, and Scotty announces that. Uh, sorry, Scotty dies, and uh, McCoy announces that Scotty is dead. Uh, Norman doesn't understand. He's like, "How did you kill him? You don't have any weapons." So Kirk gets down and he holds Scotty and he proclaims that Scotty's dead from too much happiness, but now he's happier that he's dead. And then they all start laughing for their poor dead friend. <laughs> the whole thing is just so absolutely ridiculous. So uh, so Kirk gives this kind of nonsensical speech about things that cannot be sensed but dreamed, which is the highest reality. And Norman's like, that doesn't make any sense. Dreams are not real. Like, what the fuck are you talking about over here? And uh, Kirk then very seriously tells Spock, that it's time for the explosive. So Spock reaches underneath his shirt and he removes an invisible explosive. And he, uh, for like Scotty stands up at this point. Like, he's just like, he went from being dead to just being like, oh shit, a bomb. So he gets up and joins everybody else. And uh, Kirk wonders, like, he's like, oh man, do you think that this explosive might be too much? And uh, Spock, he doesn't think so. He thinks that it's just the right amount. So Scotty gets into a baseball catcher's position and Spock tosses the invisible explosive into the air. Uh, oh, sorry, Mud actually got into the baseball catcher's position, not Scotty. And uh, Mud kind of bobbles it, but he does end up catching it and he sets it on the ground. So uh, McCoy hands Mud uh, an invisible detonator and fuse and primer and uh, he Mud attaches them all to the explosive. And then uh, Bones hands Mud a mashie and uh, Mud prepares to hit the explosive with his mashie. And I looked it up. And a mashie is an old term for a golf club used for an approach shot. So it's kind of like the modern equivalent of a fire five iron. Oh, oh so that's, okay. that's why he stood in the, the golfing position. I was like, I, yeah. I was wondering that. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like space lingo or if it was like old timey lingo. And apparently it's like old timey lingo. So, yeah, he's basically just using a five iron to an invisible five iron to hit an invisible explosive. Uh, but yeah, Norman is uh, he's really confused. And he says, like, there's no explosive. So Mud swings his mashie, and then uh, the Alice is shut down again, which was really weird. Like, they, they shut down twice in this. The first time, they're just kind of like, uh, and then the second time, they're just, like, full-on shut down. Uh, but, like, the rest of the crew, they, like, get, they, like, reel and get thrown around from the explosion, the invisible explosion. And Norman is still really, really confused. And he's like, but there was, there was no explosion and no explosive. And Mud is just like, well, that's because I lied. And then Kirk says, well, I need you to pay attention here, Norman. Everything that Harry says is a lie. So then Mud tells Norman again that he's lying. He's like, yeah, I'm lying. And Norman cannot figure this out because Norman, he starts like, you know, illogical, illogical, like he's getting really crazy and like he's just malfunctioning and smoke is coming from his head and he gets stuck in this loop of trying to figure out like, well, if Mud is lying, then that would mean that he's not telling the truth. But he's telling the truth when he tells me tells me that he's lying. But that can't yeah. be the truth because he always lies. Like they they that could smoke, have led with that, honestly. That smoke uh, practical effect was pretty um interesting. I kept looking to think they put something behind his head to like yeah, that's what light, I was light, too. On, light on fire, and then as he's acting, it'll start putting smoke behind him, or there's somebody standing behind him with smoke. And it looks like they must have connected something to his back that and they lit it, and then he did a scene, and then eventually it started smoking up behind him like however they did it it's not really cool so i liked it i just figured maybe they attached like a a tube to a smoke machine and like attached it to the back of his shirt yeah he, w- he was standing very setting. very stiff he, he didn't move a lot during that he was like standing kind of still so he might be right yeah but I, why didn't they lead with this why did they go through the whole invisible explosive uh, explosive scotty's dead thing why didn't they I, just start with the uh i i always lie but I, now I, I'm. i wonder if the they truth. had to overwhelm the system more 
than just, you know, starting with that. Like, since yeah, I kind of warm them up. Since what, so there's like 200,000 androids or whatever, they're, they're all kind of processing this at the same time. So maybe they had to overload the whole brain unit. Yeah, that could be. They just had to like wear it down. And yeah, not wear just it like down. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, that could be. So um, Norman asks for an explanation, but Kirk says that he's not programmed to respond to that area. And Norman shuts down. And uh, Spock reports that the other androids appear to be immobilized as well. So uh, Mud, he's just like, well, you know, I might have developed a little bit of respect for you, Kirk. And uh, Mud wants to develop a partnership, but Kirk has uh, no interest in that, and he has other ideas, and so he just leaves. So we cut to a little bit later. Uh, McCoy jokingly suggests that Spock is unhappy because they found a world of minds that work just like his, and that the humans managed to beat them with illogical thinking. But Spock says that, no, he's not unhappy. Uh, He can't be unhappy. That he is satisfied because... Nowhere is he so desperately needed than on a ship with illogical human beings. Um, so then Mud comes to the room with a group of androids, and he asks, he's, he's really pissed off, and he's like, why do I have to stay on the planet? And Kirk says that Mud has been paroled to the android population of the planet, and uh, Spock explains that the androids have been reprogrammed, and their original purpose was to adapt the planet for productive use, so that they're going to begin to uh, work there again, and Mud has to stay there with them. So uh, Kirk tells Mud that... Uh, He's going to have to stay there and be a first-class example to the androids of a human failure, which is really, really fucked up. And uh, he says that he, he has to do that so that the androids learn to avoid uh, avoid people like Mud in the future. And uh, Kirk says that Mud is going to be there as long as he continues to be an irritant, which is really up to him. So basically, like, as long as you, you know, continue to be a piece of shit and you, you have to stay there. <laughs> of course. So uh, Mud... He starts inspecting all the female androids, and he's like, you know what? I think I might be okay with this. <laughs> I can still fuck <laughs> these robots. He's like, this is not so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, so all of them right there, all different sets of twins, by the way, if you guys can notice. Like, they just got a bunch of set of twins to be in their different robot styles. Okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, so Kirk says that they've programmed a special android attendant to take care of Mud and all of his needs. And to help him find an incentive to work with the androids and not exploit them. So Mud's like, wow, that's actually really nice of you. But then uh, in walks Stella, and she is just nagging the hell out of him. Hater, uh, and Mud tells her to shut up, but she does not shut up. Uh, actually, another Stella enters the room and starts nagging him. And then another one wearing a, a necklace with a number 500 on it <laughs> starts yeah. nagging him. So he's flanked on three sides by Stellas that are all just nagging him to death, basically. And... Uh, they just surround him and keep nagging, and the crew just kind of walks away. They're just like, all right, well, he's fucked, so we're going to go ahead and leave now. And that is, that's the end of the episode. Um, Paul, do you want to start us off on this one? How you feel about uh, it? Sure. Um, I didn't hate it, and I didn't love it, but it was a lot of fun. Like, I liked it a lot. It was fun. Like, I liked the mud character, and I could see why people would want more of the mud character because... Out of all the villains I've seen a lot of time, like, I like Khan or whatever. Like, after Khan, it's probably my second favorite, like, bad guy. After Khan, probably. Like, I just, I think it's a really goofy character. He's a lot of fun. And, uh, I don't know, the, it was just, the episode itself was kind of generic in a way of, like, the whole AI logical part. But, uh, overall, I liked it. Um, I did do a lot of, like, looking up, like, the twins. Stuff like that. I didn't notice that they kept changing the necklaces on the twins that can't make you think there was more androids, you know? So like, I thought that was really, I thought that was really cool, a clever way of, uh, 
making it feel like a lot of people by changing the necklaces if it looked there was more than one version of it that's kind of clever um i think it was written well and i think it was like very practical i just you know it wasn't a bad episode i like when i watch it again uh i probably actually i might actually watch this one again but not because i love the whole episode just moments of the episode were so good. Like, like it was like, I had a great moment. They did a great moment. So the moments of the episode was so good. I watched it again. So overall, you know, well, seven. It's like seven or eight. Like it wasn't, it wasn't amazing, but it was fun. A lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I basically am just mimicking that. Yeah, uh, that like I said, that stuff with them just pretending to have like an explosive and stuff is easily my favorite scenes in this uh, series so far because it's just so goofy. Like it's so out of place, and it's just, it's just so different from anything that they've done so far and like just funny for a, a nonsensical reason. Uh, but I do want to say that like in terms of mud, it's kind of a weird use of his character here because like the character of mud plays no specific part in this. Like that could have been anyone. You could have brought in a new character or used lit- literally any other character. Like, Oh yeah. There's no reason right. that it had to be mud. Like that mm. didn't really bring anything to the episode at all. So like I said, like I, while I don't mind his character, that's just another episode that he's in that's, like, he, I don't know, like. Like, they like the actor. See, he, they made it all about about him because they like the actor, but it didn't really. Yeah, it, yeah. it could have been literally anybody. Like, you could have just replaced, replaced him with somebody that we've never seen before, and it wouldn't have changed a thing. Like, just him being there didn't didn't mean anything to the episode. Yeah, okay. Um, but, yeah, just kind of throw away almost like a filler episode. Didn't really add anything. No development for anybody. But it was still fun. Like, it was lighthearted and fun at the end. Um, you know, robots for the thousandth time. But but whatever. Yeah, not terrible. Not great. Dan? Uh, I'm going to have to pretty much agree with you guys on the episode. Actually, uh, one of my favorite jokes was in the episode. We didn't even talk about it. It's when uh, Mud said something to Spock. Like, oh, you can't even sell, like, fake patents to your mother. And Spock's like... Well, why would I sell fake patents yeah. to my mother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why would you do that? And mud just gives them a look like, well, that just went way over your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was, like I said, it was a very, very dialogue-driven episode, and I was not about to type out every damn thing that they said. Like, we yeah, just kind of glossed over I a lot of I like it so it. much, though. I, I, I like, I don't love it, but I like, like, I the could hum- not. The like, humor was on point in this episode. episode. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, I, I smiled a lot. I laughed a lot. I actually smiled the whole episode. Like, I never stopped smiling the episode. That's why I was like, okay, I liked it a lot because I didn't, I didn't like skip nothing. I kind of, it made me smile a lot. And I really appreciated the, the, the thing I appreciated the most, honestly, was the, um, was the practical use of twins and changing their necklaces to make it look like there was more than one. Like, it's such a subtle thing to do. But, like, when you don't have a lot of money and you're making, and now I'm like a movie TV junkie, but I have a lot of money, what a clever way of making it look there's a lot of different people just by changing one thing of them. You know, like, they're, they're yeah. really good at, um, they're really good at stretching out possibilities on this show by doing, like, really subtle things that make you feel like you're in that world. So, I really, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to get that across. Um, yeah, I guess uh, next time we're going to cover Season 2, Episode 9, called Metamorphosis. And uh, Paul, uh, you got says, us uh, When the shuttle is diverted to a planet, plantoid, planetoid, planetoid? Wow, that's weird. Yep. Uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy encounter Earth's warp drive pioneer, Zephyrin Cochran, who appears to have survived there alone for 150 years. So apparently the guy I, who created the warp drive is... um. I know of this guy... Uh, from the one of the next generation movies, which I caught on TV one day, 
and was the whole reason I decided to even ask you guys if you want to do this podcast. Like I, they they were mm. running the next generation movies on like some weird internet channel on TV, and I caught a, bits and pieces of that one, and I was like, God damn, I should watch Star Trek. So, oh, okay. So yeah, I, so right, I know of this guy. Yeah, created the warp drive. So this is the origin oh, okay. story of why we're doing this. Is that uh, I mean, kinda. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool, man. So yeah, um, unless you guys have anything else, that's gonna be it for us. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, appreciate us. We've been gone for a couple weeks now, so if you guys are still with us, appreciate it. I don't know how many uh, downloads right now because I haven't even asked Brandon for a while, but I'm pretty sure we're above where we're at before. So. Uh, each person that uh we appreciate you guys uh, following our twitter which is uh at wwst underscore podcast uh thank you for our twitter uh comment on there maybe we'll check it out uh we appreciate you guys everything and uh keep let's do something man we uh, enjoy you guys a lot so much thank love you. yep so uh yeah we will see you guys on the next episode laters later